This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time and hopefully not being blackmailed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we were, we, every so often, um, call recorder requires an update, and it always makes me nervous when there's a software update involved in what we do to record things. So we just do a little sound check, and I, being a traditionalist, will say something like testing one, two, three, four, and Taylor, being a wildly creative person, always does something else. <laughs> and today's was really good, and I said, I'm keeping that. <laughs> so that's yeah, the blackmail gonna, reference. I'm going to use that as the intro for the next show. <laughs> <laughs> Which I may do. So if you, if you see a, or hear a really odd intro one of these days or, or like as a bumper or something, then you'll know what it is. <laughs> yes. But now I have to say, because that, that kind of, I, I wanted to get that out of the way before I talked about what we're going to be talking about today. Because in preparation for this, Taylor very cryptically said, well, I have a, I have a topic for today and it, it's, you know, this is kind of what it is. It's like using life or life experiences, research, and, and, you know, I'm going to, maybe tell a story and I'm kind of embarrassed about it. <laughs> so I'm like, I have no idea. I feel guilty. About it. Feels feel guilty about, about it. it. Okay. And so I have no idea where we're going with this, but uh, I, I believe that Taylor's telling the story to kind of set up where the topic came from is going to qualify as our chit chat for today. Yes. So you guys have heard me rant and rave about the squirrels, right? And uh, they eat my fruit. Uh, they constantly eat my peaches and everything like that. And I was like, I'm going to go sit out there with an air gun and, and take pot shots at them. And um, so this this air gun that I have, it's it's essentially it's a BB gun, but it um, I mean, it's it's a pretty high powered BB gun. And um, I saw the squirrels out there yesterday eating my peaches. And I was like, God, and I went storming inside and grabbed the air rifle and came back out, and um, when I, I aimed it and pulled the trigger, nothing happened. And I was like, oh, okay. So sometimes, I, I've never really, I've used it once, like years and years ago. I, I, I don't know how to shoot, like I, I've shot handguns, but um, for, with target practice, but I don't really have any experience using rifle or anything like that. Um, so I'm not really, I figured, you know, shooting squirrels is kind of like, ha, 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 joke's on me, right? And so... Yesterday, I grabbed it and hauled out out there, and it didn't work. So I finally got it where I was pretty sure it was going to work. And the squirrels, by that time, as soon as they saw me, they just absolutely took off. And um, the, the, tree, the trees were like maybe 40 or 50 feet from where I was standing. And I, you know, took aim, and I could see that there was a rabbit down there. And I thought, well, I don't know if this... Um, if it's even going to work, if I pull the trigger and, but if I do pull the trigger and this is what my actual thought process is, I haven't very fast inside my head, but as I do pull the trigger, I'm probably not going to hit the rabbit. But if I aim at it, 
and I do hit it, it will run because, and then I'll know that I'll hit it. Like, so, okay, it's a safe target practice. It'll like ping its butt or something and it'll run away. And then I'll know that the gun is working and, and uh, I'll know like how far my aim is off. And so I raise the rifle, well, air gun again, just want to be real clear about that. And I aimed and I pulled the trigger. I killed the rabbit. I didn't realize at first I killed the rabbit because um, it just stayed there. And then it like hopped three feet and then it flopped over. And I was like, it really surprised me. I didn't think that it, even if I did hit it, I didn't think that I'd kill it. And just so you understand about me, like I'm not opposed to hunting in general for food. I, 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 I strongly, strongly do not believe in hunting for sports. Like people who kill lions or elephants as trophies, I, I just really have a problem with that. But I don't have a problem with people who go hunting deer or elk and then they eat what they kill. Even people kill squirrels, they eat squirrels. I don't have a problem with that. But in this particular instance, I really had a problem with what I did. And because it wasn't intentional. Like, if I had intended to kill the rabbit, then fine. That was my intention. But this wasn't my intention. I, I didn't know that that was going to happen. And so I, I walked down there and I looked at the rabbit. And I, I honestly, at first thought, well, maybe he's just stunned. And I picked him up and there was no movement. And it was dead. And I'm really, really upset about it. Because it didn't mean to do it. <sighs> the rabbit did not go to waste, got eaten. It wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't like that. But it was, it was the lack of intention. And it, the, the guilt that I feel over it is having not intended for that to happen. I didn't know that that would happen. And even when I told somebody else what had happened, they were like, what? That, that, that killed a rabbit? Like, I didn't know that I could do that. Like, neither did I, you know, a bird, maybe something smaller, but not a rabbit. And so it was an, it was in a sense an accident. I mean, they, they say you never point a gun at something you don't intend to kill, but that wasn't a gun gun, you know, it's a BB gun for crying out loud. Um, but I pointed it. It's the first thing I've ever shot at. I killed it. Um, and so it's just this inner turmoil that that I'm dealing with, this huge sense of guilt. And the, and I know the guilt is not about that I the death because I experience so much death on the farm all the time. You know, chickens die. Um, you know, animals that I haven't been able to say. I've even ex- say I've even experienced death because of my own stupidity, where I you know didn't realize something was happening with an animal and I didn't notice in time to save them. Um, and those deaths always hit me hard because the ones that I feel like are my responsibility, like if a chicken dies because um, it got eaten by a hawk or it just got old, I don't feel as bad because it's just the circle of life. But when something dies because of me and dies because I'm not making the right decisions, that hits me much harder than something that dies and I tried to save it and just couldn't because it was too far gone 
but not because I didn't notice it, just because it was beyond my ability. So it's it's a funny thing, this guilt, right? It's it's situational. You know, I'm not feeling guilty because a rabbit died. I'm not feeling guilty because I killed a rabbit. I feel guilty because I killed a rabbit unintentionally. So how does that tie in to the topic of writing and and creating depth of character or using life experience as research? Um, For me, in this particular instance, the emotions that I felt in that particular moment were unique in all the experiences I've had so far because this was a death at my hands and I unintentionally and it was that weighted sense of I didn't mean to do this but it is permanent and I cannot take it back and that is a very powerful I think you could say in the in the spectrum of emotions that is a very powerful emotion um And, you know, of course, it would be much more powerful if it was, you know, a thing of more emotional connection, like a dog or a goose or a human being. Right. So, of course, it's not like, oh, that's I felt this thing in. Oh, my emotions are so important. But on the spectrum of emotions, that was unique because it's something that I had never experienced before. The taking of life unintentionally, even if it was just a rabbit. Um, And so that emotion, that experience, once I have a chance to process through it, it now becomes a, an arrow, I suppose you could say, in a quiver of experiences. It, It doesn't mean that when I use it, pull it out, whatever, that I'm going to write a, uh, a scene that involves exactly that. And that's where this topic becomes important in general as a writer using our, our life experiences as tools in this toolbox is that, uh, sure, I could, I could write a scene where that happened and, and the emotions are the same. But really what it does is it provides you a, a certain sense of inner knowing or... Um, deepening where you can write a character who does something unintentionally and it's permanent and they cannot take it back. And you can take your own feelings from a completely different experience and layer them in a way that you can give a character depth. And that's not to say that if you've never done a thing, you can never write about it authentically because there may be something else in your life that you've experienced that you're able to <clears throat> transfer in and, and draw upon for building a character's response. But every thing that you experience in life, every pain, every joy, um, the guilt, the shame, the the, especially the bad stuff, because that's really what shows up the most. Um, we, we tend stories tend to revolve around conflict. Conflict tends to draw from pain, not from 
hey, we're so happy. Where's the conflict there, right? So life experience, when they say write what you know, it, it can be topical, but the, the, the bigger chunk of it is emotional. If you've never felt pain, how do you write about pain? If you've never suffered, how do you write about suffering? You can, but it's going to have a certain shallowness to it. And that's why I think as the, the authors who've um, experienced more in life in terms of length of life or in terms of uh, hardship or whatever, they, they have a lot more material to draw on, which is not to say that others can't. It's just they've got to work harder to dig for those wells. And for someone who suffered a lot, it's just there right for the picking, right? So in an instance like this, for yeah, I've got a very, very deep well to draw from, from life, pain, and trauma. <laughs> but this one is new. And so now it's there, and it's been added to the, the collection of emotions that I've experienced. And at some point, I don't know when, I don't know how, it could be 10 years from now, there's going to be some scene or setting that shows up in a book where a character does something they really regret. And this experience is with me now. This, this gut sick feeling of having done something irreversible on the spur of a moment, not realizing the ultimate consequence of what I'd done is with me. And if and when in a story that I'm telling, I need to draw on something in order to convey what a character is feeling or going through, that life experience is now part of my bag of research. And I don't mean it to say like, oh, we just take light of our experiences. Well, you know, at least this research, it all works out in the end. Not like that. But that everything we live through, everything we experience, everything we watch our loved ones go through, it becomes part of our collective understanding of life that we draw on when creating characters and, and giving them realism and breathing, breathing life into them. But it doesn't mean you have to write that exact same scene or something so close that it's you know, art mimicking life. It's just, you can take what you have felt and use it to transfer on to characters in other types of situations that sort of run parallel to what you may have experienced. And so that I thought was a really good example <laughs> to bring up of how what we go through even the bad stuff can become potential fodder or fuel for the art that we create. All right. This is going to be a really odd first question, but okay. many of us know the kinds of things that you write, and there are a lot of bad things that happen, and there are a lot of emotional responses um, based on what happened. Have you ever had a situation where you didn't have that quiver that you could pull into, you could reach in and grab this, this particular arrow out of, and you, you had to sort of massage what it might feel like, and then you actually were in an experience like that, and you felt it yourself. 
That is a really, really good question. I think yes, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> 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 um, I, I think yes, but it would be really, really personal and not well, something that, that I would ever outwardly admit had happened. Well, with that being said, though, was your sense... Or was there any part of you that was like, it's not supposed to feel like this. It's supposed to feel like this other thing that I wrote. No, but so it was close enough, but maybe not as deep as it otherwise could have been. Okay. Like it, it, it didn't, it, it touched the surface of it and it got it right, but didn't go as far as it could have. Okay, so now I'll, I'll move on to more reasonable questions. <laughs> that was a very good question. The only thing was, it's like, yeah, that's that. I don't want to go there personally. But other than that, it was a really good question. So when do you, as you're writing, when do you make a decision to, to pull out that arrow? Because then to a certain extent, you've got to relive whatever it was that happened to bring that emotion back up into yourself. I don't think there's ever a conscious decision that says, oh, I'm going to dig through my stash of emotions here and see which one best suits this particular instance. It's that when I'm writing, I'm like, well, how would a character respond to something like this? And it is my natural nature whenever I'm like just talking with somebody. And I think a lot of people do this when they're relating to you some kind of pain or, uh, you know, they're venting at you, you're listening, but you're also rifling through your own uh, history of emotions, not as a way to say, oh, hey, my emotion is, look, you did that, I did this, we're equal, but more like, hey, I really empathize with you. I, mm -hmm. I have experienced that too. Um, it's not the same, but this other thing happened to me, so I get it, right? We, As human beings, that's kind of how we connect with each other, or a lot of us do anyway. And so um, we're, we're looking for common ground, and I think that when I'm in the writing process, sort of something sort of similar is happening. So it's not like I, I pick and choose and say, hey, that's the one that I'm going to reflect on. It's like, hey, I see what you're going through here, and it's touching all of these spots in my own experience, I can kind of relate to you from this. And then that just sort of conveys into the writing. Okay. I remember reading a, a book for an interview one time and I wound up really enjoying the book and read most of the series. And the character had a trait that was very well developed in the story. And it was developed, it was a similar trait that, that I have. And it was developed so well, I thought, oh, this author has this same trait, I'm pretty sure. And um, I don't know whether I was pleased or not pleased that after the interview was over, I asked and, and they said yes. Are you talking about me? Not. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be subtle. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> okay. I get that. I got that so much with Monroe characters. But anyway, please continue. Yeah, but I, I, I this this author was able to mine that emotion so well that someone else who had been through exactly the same scenario was able to feel that and say yes, 
this is this is real. And I don't. I, it it might have been even cooler to know that they they didn't go through it, uh, and that they were just able to create that. But it was it was it made me, as I was reading the story, really connect with the character and want to know more about this character to see how they dealt with this thing. Yeah. So the the underlying sentiment of what you're saying there, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that when authors are able to authentically um, express the emotional life of the character that runs beneath the surface, runs beneath the actions that they're going through, those characters then feel real and it, it deepens the reading experience and makes you want to continue to be a part of that character's ongoing existence. Exactly. That was very well put. <laughs> <laughs> Much better than so, my kludgy attempt. At <laughs> as authors, that's our goal, right? Um, and so drawing from our own emotional life experience is one of the big, powerful tools that we have in doing that. But what do you do if it's something that you is so far removed from your personal existence that you wouldn't even know where to or how to get it right. Like you, we've already talked about don't draw on television or, you know, stereotypes for this. So I have a sort of example of what I would do in a situation like that. And it's like, I've never been in war. I've never been a soldier. Um, but some of the characters that I write are and have. Uh, I have experienced some things. I was in Nairobi when the bomb went off, the embassy. I experienced the aftermath of that. I wasn't present at the site at the time, but I came back to it. Um, so, And it was streets that I had been down many, many times. So that's not the same as war, but I experienced firsthand what it looks like and feels like and smells like when a building blows up. Not the same as war, but it's a very, very small sliver of that experience that I have in my quiver. It's not enough to do the emotions. So my experience, even though I have maybe more than the average person who has never served in the military, some average people, there's other people who've done all kinds of crazy things and, you know, do search and rescue or whatever. Like, I can't even touch that. So a very, very small amount, right? And the temptation is to say, oh, well, I've experienced this, so that's enough. But being aware of your own limitations, that's step one, right? Okay. I can draw on the sights and the smells, but I cannot draw on the emotions that would go with it. So my next step would be to talk to somebody, find somebody who has experienced those things and really listen to what they're saying, not what they saw, not what they heard, what they felt and how they processed and, and how they dealt with that scenario. And then because it's so easy to sort of forget and not really feel the full impact of what they're saying, if you yourself have no um, nothing similar to draw on, I would still try and find something that I could connect to in my own emotional experience that sort of becomes a, um, a bridge between the two. So then when I'm writing about a character 
who's experienced things that I haven't, who's felt things that I, that I haven't, I'm going to be drawing on the other person's experiences, like the things that they've told me. But because I've found some part of me that can connect to the sadness or the pain or the fear or the guilt, survivor's guilt, for example, is a really big one. Um, I've never had survivor's guilt for those reasons, but I've had them from this other trauma. That's a bridge, right? And so I'm not writing it from my own perspective, but I'm tapping into it from my own perspective so that it's bridging what they've told me to what I have felt. And I will use that as my guide to really like, is what I'm reading on the page hitting that spot in my emotions? If it's not hitting that spot in my emotions, it means it didn't cross the bridge. And so that, that'll sort of be my guidepost, but I would never try and say, Oh, because I experienced this other thing that in itself is enough to bridge over and just make it up. Because I think that would really ring false to anybody who had lived through those types of situations. Interesting. And so how do you, in rereading your own material, like I, I, to use the, the bridge, the bridge analogy, once you've crossed the bridge a few times in, in writing the scene, how do you get the same emotional impact to tell whether it's right? Um, it it really, it it, it all comes down to like, how does it make me feel? And that it's tricky when you've been in the same scene over and over and over and over again, you kind of become numb to it. Right. But where I personally will, I guess, um, feel like it's wrong is in the empty spaces. Like, is this connecting with me? Do I, do I get what this character is saying? And if it feels sort of just all actions and no heart, then I'll feel like, well, even though I'm kind of numb to this, it's not, it's still missing something. Something's not being fully conveyed and I'll just keep trying to work it until it gets closer. Um, But then on a reread, it'll be a lot stronger again because I've spent some time away from it. But a lot of that has to do with having enough time to go through enough drafts and really sit on it. I find that when I go back and read um, books that I felt very rushed in writing, um, Liar's Legacy is the one that I'm thinking of in particular. I really struggle. I, 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 I'm just, I'm unhappy with the end product because I feel like it didn't, didn't have long enough to sit and really, um, get those little things put in there that that should have been because it was too rushed. Like Liar's Legacy was basically the equivalent of a first draft book. (laughs) Like it was really, really rough. Um, And so maybe most readers are okay with it, but I'm not. And it's it's really hard for me to go back and read it. And and I feel the missing pieces. And uh, so I think part of being able to get that emotion really convey the the depth of a scene or the depth of a character on a page even in the most frivolous writing characters still have depth you know i'm i'm not writing you know lit- literature I, i'm writing bang bang shoot 'em up you know exciting adventures you know this is not highbrow but i think 
even in the most pulpy stories, characters have to have heart. There has to be an emotional connection or it's just going to feel flat and it's going to feel cheap. And to, to fully convey the emotion of what you're, you're trying to get conveyed in those particular moments on the page, it, it takes time. It takes time of sitting with it, thinking about it, coming back, revisiting it. And you can't do that just on a first draft. Or I can't. Some people probably can do it great, but I can't. And so it's, it's the process of connecting with the emotion which is tied to your own experience or the experience of somebody else, getting that on the page and then giving it time as well. Nice recap. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So uh, I guess that's it for this week, unless you have anything else. I know. (laughs) Thank you all very much for listening. We will be back with you again next Tuesday. See you guys next week. Thanks for being here. 